Welcome to episode number 135 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, it's our 10th episode in our Women in Civil Engineering series. I will be talking with Disa Wallstrand, who is a Vice President of Municipal Services and Water Resources Operations for AIRS in Wisconsin. We will talk about engineering in STEM, big picture mindsets, and one of the interesting topics we cover in this episode is communication with multidiscipline teams. This is something in the civil engineering world that I believe is critical to the success of a company. And so if you can kind of master the skill of communication with people with different backgrounds, perspectives, disciplines that they work in, you will be successful as a civil engineer. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer. I practiced as a civil engineer but I eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineering Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. And through this podcast, myself and my co-host, Chris Knutson, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. Now, before we get started This is a free show and our sponsors help us keep it free, so we ask that you please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode. Big thank you to EMI sponsor, Mazer Consulting. A privately owned multidiscipline engineering firm with 950 employees in 32 offices nationwide and growing fast. Mazer Consulting's engineers, planners, surveyors, landscape architects, and environmental scientists provide professional services to a diverse client base across the public and private sectors. Headquartered in New Jersey with projects coast-to-coast, Mazer's offices are strategically positioned to provide comprehensive services to meet their clients' needs. Mazer Consulting is committed to the success of their clients and employees. I want to thank Mazer Consulting for extending their sponsorship into 2020. They have been very supportive of our content. And I'll tell you a little bit more about Mazer later on, including a couple of job openings that they are looking to fill. I also want to just briefly mention a couple of exciting things going on at the Engineering Management Institute. As our Engineering Management Accelerator People Skills course continues to become more popular, we've now enlisted a couple of instructors, Dax Hoff and Erica Lee Garcia, both practicing engineers. Um, They've come on to join EMI as instructors for the program, and they're going to start to deliver the program with me. We're going to be doing a joint effort with it, and I'm excited that our next session starts in February. If you're not familiar with the course, you can check it out at engineer2manager.com. Again, that's engineer2manager.com. And we're also launching a project management accelerator, which is a PM skills course, which is a sister course. It will have the same type of format with weekly interactive sessions and assignments and project but it's going to be focused on project management skills. And more information is coming on that very soon, and that'll be launching sometime in March. To bring us into the interview, let me just tell you a little bit more about Disa so you can understand her background before we dive in here. Disa Wallstrand, PE Lead AP, is a recognized champion and promoter of STEM careers, especially amongst girls. Since joining AIRS in 1995, she has earned the respect of clients and staff through her excellent communication skills and insightful leadership. 
Disa was awarded the Woman of Achievement Award in 2016 by the Eau Claire Area Chamber of Commerce, which presents the award to a candidate who assists women in reaching their full leadership potential and devotes time and energy to improving the community's quality of life. Disa has a long and impressive bio, including many STEM-related involvements that we can't mention all here, but we will list them in the show notes on the website that I'll tell you about later on. Now let's dive into our civil engineering conversation. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'm excited to welcome on today's guest, Disa Wallstrand, VP at Ayers. Disa, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Disa, before we jump into some of the points where we want to focus on in terms of STEM and a lot of the stuff that you've been focusing on to inspire kind of the next generation, let's talk about you for a minute. Can you give our listeners a little bit of a background of your career progression? I was fortunate while I was in college to have some opportunities to intern, and that's something I certainly encourage uh, students to pursue. So I did a couple summer internships, actually with Ayers Associates at the time. And then after graduation uh, from grad school, I worked for a company in Iowa for about a year before coming to Ayers, where I've actually spent much most of my career. I started in our environmental group doing things like air permitting and leaking underground tanks and that kind of good stuff. Did that for a few years and then switched over to the municipal engineering side of the business. With changes in the group, I actually progressed pretty quickly into a project management role pretty early in my career just because of needs of the company. Uh, Learned a lot through that process, um, became manager a few years later. And at this point in time, I'm vice president for engineering services. So had lots of opportunities with this firm to grow. Congratulations for all that growth. And I'm sure some point in our conversation here, I might ask you some questions about that because we get a lot of questions around management. But let's start by kind of diving into STEM initiatives, because that's something that you, I know, are super passionate about. I guess the question is, you know, how can all of us as kind of professionals or STEM professionals ourselves influence the attitudes of students, especially girls, of course, this is what this whole series is about, women in civil engineering. How can we really kind of influence or inspire them around these topics of engineering and STEM? I love that question. I think we do as a profession have to be intentional about that. How we operate naturally, I think, don't, does not accomplish that mission. One of the big things, I think, is when you hear young people, especially young women or girls, say, I'm not good at math or science, I think it behooves all of us to jump on that question and, and challenge it. I think that that's a perception that's usually just allowed to be pervasive without being based on fact. And um, so challenge them about that. They actually even say, I think girls could be better at math and science than boys. Make it a challenge and see about them stepping up to it. I think another thing we can do is, is encourage these young people to participate in projects. And what I mean by that is it might be something at home. You're fixing something with the car or working on building a shelf. Or There's a lot of those projects that maybe boys are more naturally drawn to or we more naturally draw boys to. And Involving girls in some of those hands-on activity is great to help them feel more connected to the things that relate to math and science professions. Yeah, that's great. And like you said, you really do have to be intentional about it and you have to think about it and think about ways to incorporate young, well, children all together, but of course, females, of course, because we really want to 
promote more females in engineering. My wife is a, is a civil engineer. I have a few daughters. You're right. I mean, it's something that is not just going to happen. It's going to take us in the industry to do it because, well, I think what makes engineering, especially civil engineering, so interesting is the actual projects. And the only way, and in, in my opinion, the best way to get this out there is to have engineers talking about their projects and going into classrooms and or ASC had the big Dream Big initiative, which was, I think, very helpful in terms of getting it on the big screen. But those are things that we do have to be kind of intentional about. What are some of the ways that you are able to do this? Is there a program that you just support from your company, or how do you get out there and actually do this? Many of us at at this company at Ayers are involved in the schools, and um, we might go there through programs like Junior Achievement, where you talk about businesses. I love the thought that I just stand in front of a group of students and say, I'm an engineer, get a few questions. A lot of times we're in a classroom and I'll say, you know, look at the sink in the corner of the room. Did you ever think about how the water gets there and where it goes? The real basic, how did you get to school in the morning and what it took to get there? Did you cross a bridge to use a road? I love getting them thinking about the everyday. The other thing we do is we invite students into our company. Every other year for engineering week, we host an expo, a career expo. I help host that event and talk to them broadly about the careers at Ayers Associates, but then we also invite them to go around to different stations, and each station is about eight minutes talking about a different project our different disciplines are working on. And so in a couple hours, one evening, we expose these uh, junior high school students or middle school high school students to a lot of different career examples, project examples. I think you can take it down to the very basics, and I know sometimes with my own kids, I've asked them like, when it rains, do you know where the rain goes? And then maybe walk them around the streets and show them some things. And, and they start to think about it. My mother is a math teacher and she was part of a STEM program and she invited me to come in. And I basically brought in a sheet of paper that had a vacant kind of parcel on it. And I, I told the class that, you know, listen, you're going to be putting a, designing a building layout on this site. You need to put the building somewhere. You need to put a parking lot that has enough spaces for people. You need to also maintain some green land because you need some of the water to be able to go into the ground and try to explain them everything. And I mean, they had a blast with it. They all did their own layouts. And I think making it fun and really not just making it fun, but I think making them aware of what the profession is, is important because for me, I got into civil engineering because like Disa said earlier, I did like math and science. And when I told people that the first thing they said was like, oh, you should look into engineering. I still didn't know what engineering was or what it meant. And then I got to college and then I had to pick between the different types of engineering. And then somebody told me, well, if you like being outdoors and going outside, you should pick civil engineering. So then I picked civil engineering. I mean, those were kind of random decisions. I'm glad I did. But the point is, is that I really wasn't that educated around what it was. This is something that I think is really important. In fact, we're going to be putting together a video series on our YouTube channel really aimed towards high school students about civil engineering because of some of the requests that we've had. And and I collected a bunch of recommendations or points from working civil engineers that we can put into it. But really, I think it all goes back to really what Tisa said earlier is that we need to be intentional about it. We need to take some steps to do it because if we don't, it's certainly going to impact the future of the profession. And I had this conversation with some people recently at a conference at one of the leading associations just saying, the engineering world, or whether it's civil engineering or structural, whatever discipline you're in, you're competing with a lot of other things like computer engineering, IT, right? All these other things that are out there today. And they're all great. And they're all related to STEM. But 
more education, it just makes the career decisions easier for younger people, first of all, to get into STEM and then to decide between different STEM fields. So you do have the ability to influence people. You just have to kind of go out there and take that. So Disa, let's talk about some other items here. I know that you enjoy talking about campus planning. Talk about that a little bit. One of the areas I've enjoyed working in in the industry is on-campus projects, and that might be education campuses or industrial or medical healthcare type campuses. One of the things that I think is great about that is you bring so many different disciplines together for one project. A lot of times, even on the ownership side, on the client side, there's lots and lots of different uh, interest groups involved. That makes it a challenging project, but I think there's a real opportunity in there to be step up above a good engineer to be a great engineer by being the one who asks good questions, who considers the other disciplines and the other needs of the project. Instead of just focusing on one element, you're assigned the parking lot, say, you're thinking about how all of that comes together to work together for a successful project. I just think those are exciting. A lot of times campuses are projects that are developing over time. You know, they've got their 5, 10, 20-year vision And what you're working on now has to consider what's going to happen in the future as well. So lots of moving needs and and different perspectives. And I think an engineer who takes it doesn't just have their blinders onto their discipline, but interacts with all those others is going to be a real successful part of that project team. And it's a lot of fun to do that. Yeah, that's great. And I really like that. In fact, we had a, another episode in this Women in Civil Engineering series early on with Michelle Bryhoff, and she talked about which she felt the importance of being a well-rounded civil engineer and kind of understanding some of the different disciplines. And it's, to me, these types of projects you're referring to, these campus type projects that involve a lot of different disciplines really kind of help you to do that. And you become more proficient in some of these other disciplines, at least learning about them and how they interact with the project and how they need to be pulled together. What I also like about these projects is this big picture mentality that is obvious that you need to have if you're someone who's going to manage a project like that, that has so many you know moving parts or different components to it. I do think that that is something that's very beneficial for an engineer in any field to develop that big picture mentality or you know some of that that right brain thinking as opposed to just the, the analytical side, the equations, or maybe doing your one part of the project. And so. I would certainly encourage listeners out there that if you have the opportunity to get involved in the planning side of some of your projects or be a manager on some of these larger projects that involve different disciplines or multidiscipline teams to definitely do that. It will will really benefit you long-term in your career. You mentioned earlier you're a VP in a mid-sized company, Ayers, which I think is a little over 300 people. Talk a little bit about that experience and how that's been for you. Something I guess I've always aspired to is is to see that growth throughout my career. Early on, I don't know that I necessarily knew that looked like vice president someday, but adding new challenges as you go and, and finding new opportunities keeps you motivated and keeps you excited. My progression was in some ways uh, fast, and so I had to learn quickly, but we're a part of a firm with lots of resources, right? So if you know how to reach out to the people around you, Learn from those you've worked for in the past, from those you work with now. Ask questions of peers and and all the people that 360 degrees around you. I think it's a great way to develop and find more opportunities. Working for a company like Ayers Associates, 
Uh, my skill set has been diversified just because I think our projects are very diverse. And we work, we've got offices in bigger areas like Waukesha, Wisconsin, or Tampa, Florida, but we've also got a lot of very rural setting offices. And so our clients have pretty wide range of capabilities. So we've got those folks who are almost like technical partners, very sophisticated type clients. And then we've also got those who completely rely upon us as a technical resource. It's an interesting range of clients that give us a broad experience. I think that's part of what helped me working in leadership roles was all those different types of people, different types of projects gave me a pretty diverse experience to get to where I am. So I think this happens often to civil engineering professionals, so whether it's they can kind of transition or get promoted quickly or move up in the ranks quickly for multitude of reasons, either they're, you know, they've shown management skills, somebody may have left their department or the company may be expanding and there's opportunities for them. It's not that easy to make that transition from someone who's working a lot on the technical side of the project to someone who does really have to work a lot more on the people side of the project and the business side of the project. From your journey, because it sounds to me like you had something where you had a rapid transition or at least a few of them, what could you recommend for civil engineers that are having to make those types of transitions or from your own experience, what can you uh, share with them that might be helpful? I think a few things. I think you get it's ongoing education. So you're going to do training outside the company. I think um, programs, I know you've offered programs. There's a lot of great leadership training opportunities out there in the engineering world that are specific to folks like us with a technical background. And I think the more you can learn, you learn about your own leadership styles and what works well with others and what you need to do differently. And then I think you take on those challenging opportunities at your firm too. So you look for roles and projects that give you that experience. When you're jumping into the new role, I think you need to recognize that it's okay to reach out to others and rely on others. You're in a a learning stage, but there's bound to be someone around you who's had that same experience who has a lot to offer. But I would encourage people to not step shy away from those opportunities either because we can rise to those challenges and, and be successful. I think we've got the skills to do that. Asking questions of people, whether it's someone in your firm, whether it's a mentor, whether you're people you surround yourself with, you should definitely do that. I mean, you'll never be too afraid to ask questions because when you're making these transitions, any information that you can take in will probably be helpful for you just because you may not have the experience yet. But of course, in a few years from now, you'll maybe the one giving the advice. The other thing that I'll say is that the training is of course great. I mean, yes, we do do training and I'm a big proponent of training, but I'm also a big proponent of you know the actual just experience, the on-the-job experience. And so if you think you might be a little bit too young for a position or a little inexperienced for it, give it a shot. Ask a lot of questions and learn on the job. And you know sometimes that's just the best way to learn because there's no way to really replicate managing one of these infrastructure projects or managing a project or talking to the client and sitting down at the table with them. And it's just kind of doing it. And one of the things that you can do, which I just recently actually was talking to someone about this is Think about if you're a company and you're trying to promote a civil engineer to a management position, before you do that, you may want to put them in these types of situations where you're maybe letting them shadow a manager or sending them on some client meetings ahead of time so that they're not the main person running the meeting, but they're in the room, which can help them to start to get some of those skills down, learn about some of the clients specifically and what their 
attitudes are, their skill sets, their characteristics, their tendencies. Because, I mean, I think the one thing that's the biggest challenge, at least in my opinion, and we can certainly, you know, I'd love to hear Deesa's opinion on this, but the people side of civil engineering is an important part of it. And the thing is, every single person is different. So, you know, you just need to learn how to work with different people. Yeah, I think that's, isn't that the truth? (laughs) That's reinforced with every year of experience I have. But I think that's also some of the fun. I, like you, I got into it, into the whole field because I enjoyed math and science, but I love the people side of what we do. And it's very rewarding. I'm at a point in my career where developing those younger engineers is a part of my responsibility. And it's a lot of fun to watch them take on new challenges and it's like, if you feed them a little more than you think they're ready for, I think most of the time we're surprised. Oh, turns out they were ready for that and, and more. If they know you've got their back and you recognize that they're new to the area and sometimes failure is a part of it, but you'll be there to help them pick it up and sort it out and learn from that. It's, I've just had a blast watching young professionals develop in their career. So along those same lines, Disa, I know you're a huge proponent of engineers, whether they be students or practicing engineers, continuing to work on and improve their communication skills. Talk about that a little bit and why you think that's important. I come at it from a little different perspective. My undergraduate degree is actually a Bachelor of Arts in Physics. So I went to a liberal arts college and I had as much related to non-technical classes as I did to the technical math and science classes. And I felt I was much more prepared for my career because of that. You mentioned earlier the big picture thinking. I see some engineers coming into the field who focus too much on the technical details and forget about all the other pieces. And so that's one part of that. You learn through, you learn a lot of that through communication because you're listening to the clients, you're listening to other disciplines, and you're understanding more about the needs of a project thereby you can deliver a better project because you're understanding that better. But those communication skills are not something we focus on typically in engineering school, but they are as critical as the technical elements when it comes to being a project manager or moving up into management in a company because the people skills are so important. And like you said, everybody's different. So you have to Take the time to listen and you modify how you interact with people based on what works best for them. That's true whether it's clients, contractors, or your peers, or your team here at your own firm. For you, Disa, just in terms of your management, I guess, journey so far, what has been kind of something that has you found to be kind of, I don't want to say challenging, but something that maybe you didn't expect, let's so to speak, in terms of becoming a manager and having to now develop certain managerial skills. Is there anything that you, that a civil engineer out there, you know, getting ready to maybe take a management step, maybe should think about or be aware of? I guess one of the things that, that surprises me is the time certain things take, the people side of your responsibilities. So you've got the business side and, and projects and clients and that, but the people side takes a lot more time than you expect. I think when we first move into management roles, we think, oh, sure, I, I need to support people, you know, do the appropriate steps for promotions and keeping them on track and that. And you feel like that's going to be a little part of your day, but it's actually a really big part of your week. You need to do that part well. You need to invest the time and attention and, and keep it a priority which is hard to do when you shift from being a successful project manager where you're focused on the client, you know, being super responsive to the client. You have to 
shift priorities and rely on others being maybe more responsive to that client or or somehow just changing the time you devote to clients so that you're still giving your staff the attention they need. You really need to understand once as you kind of progress in your career, what's the most important task, you know, for your position at that time and, and put your focus on it, which sometimes, which I'm sure is uncomfortable for everybody, means letting go of some things. That's right. All right. So once again, we're speaking with Disa Wallstrand, VP at Airs, and we've talked a lot about different things, STEM, big campus planning projects and leadership and engineering. We're going to come back in just a moment and we're going to put Disa on the civil engineering hot seat. So stick with us. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time for our Civil Engineering Hot Seat segment with Disa Wallstrand of Ayers. But before we dive into it, I would like to once again recognize our sponsor for this episode, Mazer Consulting. Mazer maintains a culture that is nurtured through the promotion of integrity, collaboration, and socialization. Their employees enjoy comfortable work environments, continuous career advancement, and the ability to impact society not only through the projects they work on, but the company-sponsored activities available to them. Mazer Consulting is on the cutting edge of technology, and their opportunistic approach to expansion creates personal and professional growth opportunities across all areas of the firm. Leadership's dedication to the well-being of their employees and their families is demonstrated throughout the wide range of benefits and programs available to them. Mazer Consulting has a civil site group several openings in their Clinton, New Jersey office for which they are currently seeking an engineer, project engineer, and project manager. If you are interested in any of these positions, please contact Michael Weissman at 732-383-1950, extension 334, and let him know you heard about them on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Again, that's Michael Weissman at 732-383-1950, extension 3344. All right, I'm back with Disa Wallstrand, VP at Ayers. And Disa, it's time for the civil engineering hot seat. You ready? I am. First question Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or lunchtime routine or something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success? Each morning, I definitely take a close look at the schedule for the day and figure out not just what's on my calendar, but what are the priorities for the day. So I set myself off in the right direction. I think that's probably most important at at the start of the day. So really like understanding what are kind of the big things you need to focus on for that day? That's right. And that's a great time to decide too, if you need to get prepared for anything that you maybe weren't from the day before. So. So second question here, is there a book that you might recommend to engineers or just any book that you might have found to be helpful for you in your professional or personal development? So many books I've read over the years and and I take something away from every one of them. So I have a hard time picking like the book, but we are as a company right now reading Traction by Gina Wickman. What I find fun about this for me personally is the very first time I read it, I was actually listening to it while I traveled. I didn't like it at all, to be honest. And then it became a part of our company goal. Uh, We were going to use that, the tools from that book as part of our strategic planning. And when I came back at it again to reread it with 
a little more intention, a little more specific goal in mind, I actually took quite a bit away from it. So what I love about that, I guess, is um, keeping an open mind. It reminded me to keep an open mind and give things a second chance because sometimes it's a matter of timing, right? Yeah, no, that's great. And the book Traction is a great book. In fact, here at EMI, we actually used the, the system as well, the EOS system, especially for engineers. I could see how engineers would like it because it's very structured. There's a lot of metrics in terms of measuring things and things become quantifiable. So it is great. And the book itself kind of had a similar thing with it. It took me a little while to get into it, but once I understood the power of it, it, it was good. So that's certainly a good one. And for those of you out there that are getting into management or maybe you have a small firm and you're growing the firm and you're again, you're looking at structures and stuff, Traction can definitely be a good book for that. All right, next one, Disa. You've, I'm sure, had several managers in your career so far. If you think back to one or a few of your managers, and, and no need to name names, but if you just think about the managers that you really liked or you thought maybe your favorite manager, what made that person or those people your favorite managers? What did they do? What characteristics did they have? What actions did they take? Yeah, I think it comes back to a lot of what you and I have discussed already today is that they were people who gave me a chance to take on a new challenge. So. They trusted me with something that maybe was a little bit beyond what my years of experience might say I was ready for. And so I had an opportunity to grow. Those folks, a lot of times, were the ones who were uh, not micromanagers, but gave me some guidance, gave me some examples, and then had my back while they sent me on my way to do the next challenge, right? So I could come back and check in with them, but they weren't going to give me the answers. They were going to ask me the questions that helped me get there. And so I know that that's something I've tried to do in my career because I've really valued the influence those folks have had on me. So they had like a healthy balance between giving you guidance, but not kind of like micromanaging. Exactly. I think when you work for somebody who's constantly giving you specific directions and checking and rechecking your work and that kind of thing, you back off and you just don't put the same effort in, right? But if they give you some room and ask you to take a few steps. You own, I think you own the work more and you invest more and, and you get there faster. All right. I've got one final question for you, which we call the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and had to give him or her career advice in that very short period of time, what would it be? I would definitely tell them to stay focused on their communication skills, practice writing, practice speaking, put yourself in front of groups, practice interacting with different people, that uh, communication is closely tied to relationship building. And so it may not be natural to you as an engineer, but work on those skills and it'll take you far in your career. Disa Wallstrand, VP at Ayers, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony, for inviting me. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Disa. I do think that communication within civil engineering firms, especially larger firms with multiple disciplines, is very important because if you're not communicating effectively with the other disciplines, it's almost like other companies. And they all have to be on the same page to successfully execute a project. So it's really something to focus on in your firm or with your own skill sets if you're in that situation. I also want to just take a minute to reflect on the Women in Civil Engineering podcast series. It's been pretty amazing, actually. And I know that there's a lot of amazing women in civil engineering. My wife's a civil engineer, and it's not a secret to me, at least, but I wanted to definitely expose some of the things that women are doing in the industry. We felt strongly about that at EMI, and I think that 
in 10 episodes. This series certainly hasn't disappointed, and it's really been amazing, actually. And you can actually check out the entire series by going to our website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Just click on content, podcasts, the civil engineering podcast, and there's a flyout, women in civil engineering, or just go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org forward slash women dash in dash civil dash engineering. It's been a blast. I've really enjoyed doing it and we're going to keep going with it. We have a couple other episodes coming up though that are going to be really interesting in terms of setting yourself up for a very successful 2020, which I'm excited to share with you. Lastly, I also want to mention that I will be speaking this year at the ASCE Structural Engineering Institute Congress, their Structures Congress, which is going to be in St. Louis in April. We're also going to once again be sponsoring the AEC HR Summit, which I am thrilled about. If you haven't attended this and you're interested in learning, training, development in the AE industry, I highly recommend it. It's put on by the Employee Engagement Group, which is run by Bob Kelleher, a great guy who's been on the podcast in the past, really an expert on employee engagement. And it's an awesome, awesome event. It's employeeengagement.com. You'll see the HR Summit right on their website. Please consider coming if you're interested in the development, training, learning for AE professionals, engagement of professionals. There's all kinds of interesting topics that are covered. I'm excited to be a part of it again. Remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 135. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 